Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Alrighty, welcome to the Celtics Lab Podcast brought to you by FanDuel, the exclusive wagering partner of the CLNS Media Network. I'm Cameron Tepsby. I'm joined by Oz Goldberg and Dr. Justin Quinn. It is Monday, uh, February 5th, which means we are a few days from the NBA trade deadline. It's 5.35 in the afternoon on the East Coast, which means that's as current as we can be with all trade rumors and insight, which is to say that at any moment, things could change. So we might as well welcome in our guests before they do. You know him, you love him from Celtics blog, from How About Them Celtics, Jack Simone. Jack, welcome back to Celtics Lab. Thank you for having me. Your intros are always too kind, Cam. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just me, and I'm getting. You know him. You love him. It's like I'm, I'm coming out of a rock right, concert me, here. Let me try it again. <laughs> okay. All okay. right. We're talking to someone named Jack. There it is. Uh, Thank you. Thank you. I. Right. <laughs> um, well, it doesn't even matter how nice the intros were because this is the trade deadline, and we got to give the people what they want. They're here for the, the slop. They're not here for us. Um, so before we get into the slop, Alex, Justin, how are you? Doing okay. Definitely interested to see how slop week manifests itself. Uh, it's going to be on my mind. You know, I think um, there's a lot of stuff flying around out there. Um, the thing that stands out to me that's probably the silliest storyline is Zach Levine hearing that he was being flipped to Detroit and then immediately declaring himself out for the season. That was a good time. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I'm gearing up. Uh, I'm ready to uh, ready to see some trades and react to them accordingly. To that point, I'm starting to wonder uh, how much more often we're going to hear about an agency approving a surgery for a player in the future, considering they seem to have been involved in that process. But apart from that, pretty good. Yeah, thank God we don't cover the Bulls. Well, Jack, you cover the Bulls. Justin, sometimes we cover the Bulls, but I digress. We are indeed in the lab portion of the program and going to talk about the NBA trade deadline. Before we do that, we're going to talk about the news, and a big part of the news is Marcus Smart returning to Boston. So let us, for a moment, humanize how difficult it is to be traded in the NBA, that we're talking about people's livelihoods and their families, and if we're being flip or fun, we recognize that there's something very serious underneath the surface. So, uh, Zach Levine, heal up, buddy. Okay, let's talk about the news. Jack, you can start because you were at this Marcus Smart game. Um the game sucked. We can talk about it if we want, but just you're in house for Marcus Smart's return. What were some of your highlights? Some of your takeaways, favorite moments? Go. Yeah, I mean, it was awesome. The tribute video was great. Uh, seeing Jason Tatum and the rest of the Celtics bench like stand up on their feet and sort of wave the crowd like, "Yeah, give this guy everything. You know, show him all the love you can." Uh, I thought that was awesome. Hearing Marcus Smart talk so candidly before the game was super fun as well. Uh, about how you know he'd been in Boston for effectively a decade. 
Um, it, they saw him grow up. He gave everything. He, he went through so many ups and downs in the cities. It, it was just super fun. I mean, for me, I, I grew up like a baseball guy. And so I didn't start like following, following the Celtics until like middle school. And at that point it was post KG for me. And so Marcus Smart was really like the first, this is a Celtic, like this is what it is. So he's growing up watching the Celtics. He was always my favorite player. And so to see him come back, uh, it was just a really cool moment. Uh, and it seemed like everyone in the building enjoyed it all the chance throughout the night. It, it was just a super fun night. Uh, even though, like you said, the game was pretty, uh, nothing. <laughs> I don't even think I watched the first half. Um, dibs on hero among us, but otherwise, Justin, what was your takeaway or favorite moment from the night? Um, I mean, I don't know how you can see that video tribute and not be moved by it. Uh, the crowd response, uh, the memories being shared by everybody, uh, even like Mike Gorman tearing up for, for the, uh, the tribute video it was definitely an experience and there was a game if you could believe there was a game going on also uh it was not particularly memorable i was doing more writing than watching in the second half but uh it was a great experience overall alex what are you uh my big takeaway is that i don't want marcus smart to retire as a memphis grizzly um mm. this guy's contract is up in two years i don't know what the free agency market is going to look like then and i know that the celtics are probably not going to have a lot of cap space but i just really would like them to bring him back at some point in his career i just think that he clearly has a significant bond to the city uh in a pretty meaningful way i think that was true both in the moment of the you know the video presentation and all of that in the game itself but also in the kind of lead up and post game and this can segue nicely into your sequence about this cam but you know Marcus Smart means a great deal more to Boston than uh just in his capacity as a Celtic and he meant a great deal there as well and I guess I feel like you know it, it was bittersweet kind of watching that um and thinking about that and knowing that like he is not on the team and it will likely be pretty difficult to reacquire him in the near future but you never say never um and you know those guys the guys who are there all really like him you know i think derek white jason tatum even jalen brown who um i think you know has it has openly copped to there being some tension between the two of them like all of those guys know how much smart means to the city and means to this iteration of the team horford i think was really eloquent in his press conference afterwards um he's he's a huge part of kind of this era of the team even though he is not currently on the team and i just i would really like to see him play on the garden floor for the green guys again that's just me yeah they're not going to retire his number for anyone who thinks that that's going to happen and the reason for that is that the standard is quite high the barrier of entry to get your number retired even though the celtics have a lot of numbers retired is pretty ginormous i can't think of a boston athlete in the 21st century who is so deeply beloved without having a ring or an all-star game to back it up like all of that love he earned and it, he didn't get the boost of winning a title or anything like that jack knows i find the hero among us award at every game i just like find it very moving often i'm I cry a little bit because I just think it's a really nice thing um, for people who don't know. I'm sure most people do the Celtics since 1997 have once a game honored someone in the community who uh, is a quote unquote hero among us, an outstanding citizen. And it's everything from like 
hey, this kid pulled over because a car was on fire and he pulled out someone from a burning car or like they donated a bunch of books to a library. Marcus Smart being a hero among us is just like worlds colliding of what is nice about basketball. Sports are kind of dumb, but like, let's be honest. But the way that Marcus Smart like positively impacted the Boston community is runs so deep. You know, it's not like he did the 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 things that all the players do. They're they're charitable people. The NBA is a charitable organization. The ways that he went out of his way to make individuals felt or to make systematic impacts is just titanic. I, I was talking to Danger Cart who was at the game. I bet if uh, Marcus Smart was a teacher or a sold insurance or was a janitor he would be just as charitable like i just suspect that's in his bones um so i w- i was quite moved by the tribute video obviously it was pretty badass but the hero among us thing was there was no lip service whatsoever it was a thousand percent uh, earned and it, it was just very wonderful uh, it would have been nice if we got a title in boston or an all-star game or whatever but like what he did for a decade is there's so many people to thank to line up to thank him um so that was really real alex um just really quickly one other thing to that point um marcus smart means a lot to the boston community and i think we've explored that in a number of different ways but one thing that uh, i'm thinking about now is also that hey potential other nba free agents and or trade candidates are you interested in potentially going to a team where even if you get traded at some point midway through your career, or even if you have to leave during free agency for cap reasons, if you ball out every night and try your absolute hardest to win over uh, the home crowd, boy, do we have a team for you. I mean, I really think it's, you know, there's so much like slander that goes on around like the Boston Celtics, um, you know, doing free agents dirty or doing players dirty or, you know, like, um, you know, kind of being a bad career move for X, Y, and Z. And I think some of that is probably earned, at least from the previous regime. Danny Ainge definitely treated players um, as disposable. And I think ultimately the NBA is a business player's should expect to get moved from their teams at some point unless they are a franchise-level superstar in all likelihood. Happy Super Bowl to all who celebrate from FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. FanDuel has so many ways for you to end the season with a W. Not only can you bet on who will win Super Bowl 58, but FanDuel also has bets which players will score a touchdown, how many points will be scored, and so much more. New customers join today and you get $200 in bonus bets if your first bet of $5 or more wins. Just visit FanDuel.com slash Boston to sign up. That's FanDuel.com slash Boston. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sportsbook partner of the NFL. 21 plus and present in Massachusetts. Hope is here. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. GamblingHelplineMA.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support. Play it smart from the start. GameSenseMA.com or call 1-800-GAM-1234. But at the same time, the reception that 
Marcus Smart got last night from, you know, a, te- a team that he's no longer on, from the fans of a team that he's no longer on, was significant and meaningful. And it just makes me think, like, listen, if you're an NBA free agent or if you're a player who is, like, looking to, you know, get traded to their next team away from whatever situation they're in, if you, like, really believe in yourself as someone who can, like, make a night-to-night impact on winning and can really, like contribute to a championship level team or a playoff level team Boston should be one of the very top teams on your list regardless of whether you're going to be a long-term fit or not because man if you play hard for this team these fans are going to absolutely love you whether you are on the team whether you just got traded whether you've been removed for years like this this stuff really matters and I think there is something to the idea that like playing for the Celtics is is and should be considered a big deal yeah I think it is I mean smart to, to both of your points you know fans will hear it when they loved what I was doing they also let me hear it against the Lakers when they were losing against the Lakers and maybe they deserve to be booed um I think that Marcus also said, hey, I expect it to be traded. Alex, to your point, this is a business. And it was just, he wanted a heads up, which is fair. Uh, Jack, another little takeaway from this game. Jordan Walsh, rookie Jordan Walsh, scored his first hoop. Um, we all saw it was coming. There's like eight minutes left in the game. What do you remember from the moment? And like since then, some of the commentary would have been some of the nice things about Jordan Walsh getting his first basket. Yeah, I mean, on a night where Marcus Smart was getting the loudest cheers from the crowd, Jordan Walsh got a giant pop from TD Carden when he cut back door uh, and got a dunk for his first NBA points. It seems like Boston fans have really rallied around Jordan Walsh. Like, I was talking to Bobby Kravitsky, uh about it earlier today, uh, and it's kind of, like, interesting because J.D. Davidson didn't necessarily get it. You didn't see it as much with some other rookies, but, like, these guys love Jordan Walsh. Boston loves Jordan Walsh, and I feel like a big part of it was Smart left this summer uh, in the trade, and then you get this guy who is all about, you know, playing hard, all about, uh, you know, hard-nosed basketball, being tough, being gritty on defense. And they're like, all right, well, if we're losing Marcus Smart, at least we can rally around this guy who plays in a similar fashion. Um, and obviously, Jordan Walsh isn't ready to, to play regular minutes at the NBA level yet, but he's playing really well in Maine. Got in, got his first bucket, crowd pop. John Corrales was talking about it all post game. Asked Joe Mazzulla about it. He said he didn't try to press. He didn't try to get a ton of points. He didn't try to score in bunches. He wasn't chucking up threes. He was just playing the right way the whole time. And I think that speaks to how he's maturing and how he's trying to do whatever he can to win and make an impact. And um, it was Brad Stevens' first draft pick. And I, I feel like it, it means something that they invested a longer term contract into this guy. Uh, and so to see the fans rally around his first points was super cool. And I don't know if he'll, you know, play big minutes next season even, but it seems like they like him for the future, which is nice. I wouldn't be surprised if he's on the team as a product of uh, cap math, but I also do think he's got the bona fides. I mean, he's got the body. He seems like he's got the mentality. I'm, I'm rooting for him. Okay. Uh, a few quick tidbits of news and i'm going to go off script here actually for one of them and then we'll talk about the trade deadline since we last talked unless i'm having a huge brain fart jalen brown was named an all-star reserve Derek white and Kristaps porzingis were not however 
Julius Randle has a dislocated shoulder. He is expected to need an injury replacement. And Joel Embiid, um, I think I speak for all four of us when we say I hope that dude heals up and heals up the right way because basketball is a better place when he and the Sixers are good. Maybe not great if you're a Celtics fan, but you want them to be good. Um, so we're hoping for a speedy recovery for Mr. Embiid, but he will not be in the All-Star game. So I have a two-part question. And uh, Jackie, you're the guest. You get to go first. Part one, who's going to replace Joel Embiid in the starting lineup? Part two, do any other Celtics make it as a injury reserve? And those are, for people who don't know, picked by the commissioner. Supposedly, he just goes by who was next on the list. I think there's some gamesmanship, but that's me editorializing. So, Jack, who's the starter? I actually have no idea what my answer would be, so good luck. And do any Celtics make the final cut? Go. I think Jalen ends up starting. I think it'll be him or Bam. I think those are the two obvious options. Maybe it goes to Bam. Actually, realistically, maybe if he chooses, I don't know who makes a decision of who starts. If it's Adam Silver, though, it would make sense for him to be like, all right, if I pick a Celtic as one of these two replacements, I'll just have Bam start and then the Celtics can come off the bench. Uh, but if not, we'll have Jalen start as like some sort of, you know, oh, you didn't get another one, but here you go. Which realistically, being a starter doesn't matter at all. Like that's not on the basketball reference page. It's not tracked. Like no one's gonna remember it in X amount of years. Uh, but it would be pretty cool because Jalen Brown's probably not gonna have a chance to start the All Star game ever with Tatum and Bede and Giannis in the Eastern Conference. Um, as far as the reserves, I think Trey Young definitely gets into one of them. Uh, I don't know. Regardless, I personally would rather Derek White make it. I think he deserves it a little more than consistency. However, realistically, if you're going to have Trey Young as one of them, you should probably get a front court player in there if you want to sort of balance it out, if that matters to Adam Silver. And I think it'd be Kristaps Porzingis. I think the Celtics deserve another one. So I, I, if I had to guess, if I had to choose uh, what I think will happen, Trey Young, KP, JB moves into the starting lineup, maybe Bam, don't know. However, I would like to see D. White get it over KP. Um, but I, I think Trey Young's pretty much a lock. Alex, anything you disagree with? Um, I am a little worried that neither of the two Celtics reserve options are going to make the All-Star as the injury replacement. Um, one, because I think Trey Young is definitely going to make it. Adam Silver gets to pick, and Adam Silver likes highlights, and Trey Young is a highlights guy. So uh, I do think he's going to get one of those spots. I do think the other spot is going to go to a front court player, and I think Kristaps Porzingis has been better than this player when he has been on the court, but Miles Turner is from Indiana and the All-Star game is also in Indiana and Adam Silver loves rewarding people uh, who host the All-Star game. So I think that regardless of the fact that objectively Kristaps Porzingis has been a significantly more impactful player for his respective team, I do think that they are going to get one hometown all-star injury replacement in Miles Turner. Um, as for the starting lineup, I think I largely agree with Jack. It's either going to be Jalen or Bam. I would lean Jalen just because I feel like the in this case, it will be a little bit more determined by things like fan vote. Um, and Jalen was winning in the fan vote last I checked over Bam. Um, I think Silver will probably lean a little bit more towards that. But for the uh, injury replacement, I would not be surprised if neither of the two Celtics under consideration made it. Dr. Quinn. I actually don't have too much to add to those two very good perspectives. So what I will say is a question, uh, which I'm going to pose to you guys 
because the obvious solution for all of this debate would be to expand the number of spots to reflect the current roster size in the league. But do you think that they're going to do that considering all the free press they get from us debating all this crap? Yeah, we could still debate oh, who was the... True, guy. true, um, but... I Maybe it was the Hoop Collective. They talked about when expansion comes, they'll have to... Mm-hmm. So I liked the year that it was D-Wade and Dirk as like the honorary elders it would be kind of hard to institute that every season but i'd be okay with that um i don't think that there's like a real need to because you want to see guys like have to play a certain number of minutes but i'd be curious speaking of um gamesmanship uh, and like how you make this the best television product i guess maybe bam starts here are my three starters, perhaps in order. Jalen Brown, I think he deserves it. He almost won the fan vote outright. Um, Bam, because then you get a starter in there. Maxi as a tip to the Philadelphia 76ers who lost a starter. Silver is going to pick the following two injury replacement players because he is a shrewd businessman, um, which he picked up from his friend Jared Kushner, evil goblin human Jared Kushner. Um, Trey Young because the kids love Trey Young, and this is a game for teenagers. And Scotty Barnes, because if you squint at the, the voting, you can make a case, and you get all of Canada. And we all know it's all about that sweet, sweet Canada TV money. So congratulations, Scotty Barnes. You're going to be named an all-star starter any day now. Okay. Um, in terms of news, I talked about the Embiid thing. Anyone need to weigh in on that? Uh, it walks and quacks a lot like Robert Williams. I'll tell you that much. So to that point, um, I so I am the rare Celtics fan that uh, really likes Joel Embiid and wants him to succeed. Um, I know there's a few of us on this call as well, but uh, <laughs> I, 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 I have definitely been an Embiid fan for a minute. I just, I really like the, um, you know, I like when the league has talent and I like when the best players play and, um, the league is better when Embiid does play. And so to that end, uh, Philadelphia front office, please do not screw around here. Shut Joel Embiid down for the season. I do not want to see that guy come back on an 80% leg and hurt himself or degrade that knee further. I don't want to see his career go the way of Robert Williams, where he has to miss, you know, full seasons every other year. Um, I feel like a huge part of Embiid's ability and incredible basketball strengths and all of that is reliant on his ability to move, his his high-level footwork, all of that stuff. Like, his his legs take a lot of stress. And so to that end, newsflash to the Philadelphia 76ers, you are not winning the title this year. Whether you are bringing Embiid back or not, you are not winning the title because if you bring Embiid back, He's going to be maybe at best 80%. You're going to get bounced in the first or second round. I'm just telling you like it is. Shut Embiid down for the year. Do not screw around with this injury. Get some draft stuff. Make your free agent moves. Make your trade moves. You know, I still think they should be active around the deadline. I think there's a lot of ways that they can improve their team. But let Maxi cook. You know, give Paul Reed some run. Do whatever it is that you got to do. Do not screw around with Joel Embiid's leg. Shut him down for the year. Stop beating around the bush. Well said. Uh, I think 
I agree with you. And I hope that the Sixers play it prudently because to your point, there's there's nothing for them this spring that is worth rushing back for, I don't think. Um, let's do this. I want to talk about Grant Williams and I want to talk about Malcolm Brogdon, but I'm going to do that later because I want to get into the trade stuff and let's start with the people who are actually possibly coming to the Celtics rather than former Celtics. So let's hop into the Celtics lab. We'll return to that line item later. Um, Jack, well, actually, Justin, what does FOTP mean? <laughs> friend of the pod. Oh, Jack, friend of the pod, friend of, friend of the cam. Uh, you had 15 uh, wonderful options that the Celtics could target. Uh, some more likely than others that we're going to run through. But first, Dr. Quinn, I'm going to have you give us a little orientation Basically, what is and isn't permissible pie-in-the-sky look, and what, based on reporting, do we think Boston is looking for? I'm not sure I understand the question. Just bring everyone up to speed. What are the uh, FAQs about this trade deadline for the Celtics? Well, really, the, the basics are just that the new CBA is doing what it's supposed to for teams like the Boston Celtics, who it was created to make life a miserable hell for uh, at the trade deadline and in any kind of team building situation. Meaning that if they want to make any trades currently, even with the still fairly relaxed rules being what they are, they're either going to have to move one of their core players or they're going to be fairly limited to what they can do in terms of combining salaries and improving the end of the bench without doing that. They have a traded player exception for $6.2 million. They can go above it to up to 250,000 in terms of salary. Um, I don't know why they have that weird wiggle room thing. Just tell me what the stupid number is. Uh, But they're not going to make any big moves unless something very strange happens. Uh, So realistically, what we are looking at here is someone probably making $9 million ish or less uh, depending on if they want to involve uh, Peyton Pritchard, who is what they call poison-pilled. And the, the short version of that is uh, the money you send out for him will count more than what you get back as a means to complicate things for teams trying to use those salaries in team building for reasons we don't need to get into. So the, the shortest version is don't expect any big moves. It's going to be end of bench to maybe – maybe a rotation player who could make an appearance in the postseason, but that's the, the absolute maximum we're probably going to see. Yeah, and that, that last bit was probably the most important is if you want to get on the trade machine and go nuts, unless you can uh, find a player that makes between like less than six or like pushing nine million dollars, you're going to have to say goodbye to Derek White or uh, Al Horford, which we don't think is going to happen. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Although at times I thought might happen. So Jack, you have a big old list of um, guys that may be in play here for the Celtics. We're going to gamify it and we'll run through these and we'll all say like, oh, we like that. We dislike that, whatever. But I'll let you go first. Give us 
maybe pick two or three names from your list that you think are the most intriguing or Celtics fans should know about or just are worth mentioning off the jump. Yeah, so I actually ranked them. I think there's 29 names technically on the list, but I ranked them from realistic to please stop suggesting this option. Uh, and so the realistic ones, there were only four, and these are options to fill the 15th roster spot. So some could be buyout, some could be just uh, other other means. But the four quote-unquote realistic options that I posed, and to be perfectly clear, I, I think it is more if you looked at odds, the odds of the Celtics doing nothing would be greater than doing anything, in my opinion. But for what it's worth, um, the four realistic options I had were John Conchar, Andre Drummond, Torrey Craig, and just elevating Namish Keda to the 50th roster spot. Um, so I think those are probably the best bets. John Conchar, there's been a ton of smoke around it. The Grizzlies are going very nowhere, very fast. Um, and he's under contract for $6 million for each of the next three seasons. So if the Celtics wanted to take him into the TPE this year, they would have an, a trade chip uh, to use in future trades down the line when the CBA gets more restrictive. Andre Drummond, I'm not the hugest fan of, but they have been really rough on the glass lately. And so if you really want to bring in another guy who you could throw in there who is probably better than Kata at this point, wouldn't complain. I was talking to, again, Bobby Kariski earlier today, and I was like, it's one of those things where if I woke up tomorrow and saw they traded for Andre Drummond, I'd be like, oh, whatever. That's fine. Cool. Like, I wouldn't complain. It's just like, yeah, he's Andre Drummond. Torrey Craig has been out for most of the year uh, with an injury, but he's coming back very soon. At his best, Torrey Craig would probably be a really good fit on this team in terms of a 3 and D forward. Right now, it's another Andre Drummond where it's like, yeah, sure, I guess he'll be fine on the end of the bench. And then Nimi Ishkeda is what he is, uh, and elevating him to that standard spot would be cool. So those are the four ones that I think are mo most realistic. The one that is far less realistic, but probably the best, coolest options where Celtics fans would go nuts is Alex Caruso. But I just, I don't see it happening in a million years, unfortunately, even though he's dope. Yeah, I'm not allowing that to sit in the realistic category. And I'm going to ask not that even we close. stay <laughs> yeah I, just quick note on caruso you you almost certainly have to trade Pey peyton pritchard to make that work just both from salary and also just from a team building standpoint and while i think that would be you know alex caruso is a better player than peyton pritchard like a full stop and i think he would be a better you know he would he would he would be a better player in that roster but um i strongly believe that the bulls are going to get a better offer for Alex Caruso than Peyton Pritchard and what will likely be a very late first round pick. So um, not betting on that one. Yeah, that's a good point. Even for a guy like Andre Drummond, there are probably teams that are more desperate than the Boston Celtics this week. So Boston needs to be able to uh, welcome in a player's salary and beat the field in terms of offers. So even if you can talk yourself into like, oh, Alex Caruso should be on the Celtics team. You're also talking yourself into 28 other teams beat that offer. And that feels unlikely to the point that he's not in our realistic category. Also, my dream candidate is Sadiq Bey. But teams need to realistically have the playing time, the fit, everything go smoothly. So they're, they're additive and not subtracting from the team chemistry, playing time, all that good good fitness that needs to happen. So I'm probably not going to get my ideal player for Boston just because of the dynamics that are involved. But I actually like the John Conchar idea, not just because of the rebounding and the theoretical, if not very manifest this season, three-point shot, but his salary goes up to $6.5 for the next three seasons, which will be a very useful trade chip 
should you want to combine salaries in the future? Oh, you won't be able to combine salaries. It'll be a very useful trade ship in the future if you need to get multiple players back. How about that? Okay, I hate this new CBA, man. I really hate it. I think everyone hates it. it it's like a perfect, a good compromise leaves everyone unhappy, but it might also just be a bad compromise. I think the John Conchar piece of it, it is a nice player for the season and then also a useful trade chip for a team that has painted itself into a corner, uh, so to speak, is interesting. And I wouldn't be surprised if Brad Stevens is thinking that far in advance that like realistically they're not going to trade for a guy that changes their odds this season unless there's like a massive injury or two. But they could bring in a guy or shed a salary or something that sets them up for next season and the next move. Um, such was the case of the draft where Brad Stevens walked away with Jordan Walsh and like 20 <laughs> second round picks. Or rather, Mike Zarin did that, if we're being really accurate. Okay, um, we've got our notes in front of us. Anyone have a realistic name that we should uh, discuss a little bit longer? I think we kind of yada yada the Otto Porter thing. Um, that dude's got real experience. It's a solid 3 and D. I mean, he's not going to change your life, but in a pinch, if you know Jason Tatum or Jalen Brown walks into foul trouble, it's like a solid guy to slot in the wing or even at the four side. So consider uh, finding ways to add Otto Porter to your team. Um, anyone else from this realistic bucket before we start daydreaming a little bit, Alex? Um, I have a realistic bucket guy that I think the Celtics have kind of gotten some buzz around. I'm not sure that his current team would necessarily be super interested in moving him, but I also don't get the sense that it, he's somebody they would be like desperate to hold on to. Reggie Bullock who the Celtics have been linked to a little bit um, in previous, uh, you know, I think like a couple of months ago, kind of during the early part of the season. Obviously, he ultimately got dealt to Houston and the Celtics did not take him back in the Grant Williams trade, um, choosing instead to open up that TPE. But Reggie Bullock fits in the TPE. He would be very cheap to acquire. Um, the Celtics would likely only have to send out one or two maybe of their minimum guys. They attach, you know, a couple second round picks to Houston, I, to to send to Houston. I guess I I don't really see why Houston would turn that down unless they got a better offer. But I, it strikes me that like I don't feel like people are like foaming at the mouth for Reggie Bullock right now. It feels like he could be a good compromise. Um, you know, I don't think he would play super heavy minutes for this team, but mostly just as a body in case um, somebody at the four, the three, four position missed time or in case they want to, you know, maybe potentially more defensively sound look than Hauser in the playoffs. Uh, or if they just want to go with a full spaced floor and just have, you know, only shooters out there and still have a little bit of size. To me, Reggie Bullock feels like a guy who they could get for not much, probably about the level of player that is realistic and um, I think there's there's a reasonable chance that that could happen. Cool, I like that. Uh, with respect to Sfee, that feels like an upgrade over a guy like Sfee. Dr. Quinn? The only guys that we haven't really spoken about that I think would be realistic or not only unrealistic fairly recently, but actually illegal. And that would be two of the guys that got sent out in the trade that brought, I think it was Kristaps Porzingis to the Celtics, uh, both Mike Mascala and Donalo Gallinari are both very interesting options via uh, buyout or trade uh, in the case of Mascala. They're not going to add 
that much to what Boston can do. But I mean, in the case of Gallo, that would be, you know, a nice, a nice little story. Good for team chemistry, presumably. And you can probably get you some three-point shooting, if not too much in the way of defense. Uh, Muscala is not going to even sniff the postseason, but they, they could probably use a little bit more shooting, a little bit more big man help uh, that doesn't do something that one of the teams... Uh, shall we say, I don't want to call him up and coming, but Nimi Ishkeda looks like he's someone they should try to hang on to. So someone who doesn't replicate what he does in the vein of an Andre Drummond, who I think, don't kill me, Alex, would be a great addition. But if they do see that they don't want to duplicate a skill set per se, even if it's a vastly higher level of that skill set, I could see that happening too. All right, let's um, let's daydream a little bit. Let's. We don't need to be bound by realism so much and look there's a reason that brad stevens has his job and we have ours is perhaps he's got something up his sleeve that we wouldn't consider or we wouldn't dare to dream so jack dare to dream what's a guy maybe in our notes or that you've got here on this list that you think um is worth a look or even if it's a little sticky to make the math work is worth mentioning yeah so it feels like we covered all the people who would be somewhat realistic uh I don't, it's kind of like, I listed it under borderline realistic for me because when Bobby Marks brought it up, he said, I don't think New Orleans would do it. I like Najee Marshall. I think he's fine. I think he gives you a little bit more of that scrappiness that you lost with Grant and Norm Marcus. Not that you necessarily need that on the team, like like in terms of like every contender needs a, a guy who will start a fight. Like I don't buy into that, that thing. Like I just think it's a bit overrated, but I do think it'd be useful to have another guy at the wing position who can defend uh, and who is a little bit more versatile. I don't know if New Orleans would do it. He's playing like 18 minutes a night for them. And he's played in like 40 games. So he is a consistent face in their rotation. Um, so if anything, you'd probably have to overpay for what Najee Marshall, the name, the guy is worth. Um, so at that point, it's like, eh, maybe not um, past that. Uh, I like the jazz guys, but I don't think the jazz are going to trade. And so I think that's why it falls under the dream category. Cause I don't think they're going to be available. Uh, and I'm not even talking Kelly Olenek, which would be close to impossible to make the math work, which is just not going to happen. I'm talking like Chris Dunn and Simone Fontecchio, which I really don't want them to trade for Fontecchio because he pronounces his first name wrong because it's spelled the same as my <laughs> last name, but he says it differently than I say my last name, which is Simone. And so I would just get really angry that everyone would start calling me Simone, which would be inevitable. Uh, however, I do think he'd be an okay fit. He's probably a bit too close to Sam Hauser to make it make too much sense. But Chris Dunn, in terms of if you need offense, you put in Peyton Pritchard. If you need defense, you put in Chris Dunn. Chris Dunn, who has shot low volume, but 40% on his low volume threes over the last two seasons. I'm a big Chris Dunn guy, local guy. Obviously, went to Providence, uh, and they took Jalen Brown over him, which was the correct choice. But would it be a cool full circle moment. Uh, so those are the guys that I'm looking at that are like, probably not going to happen. But yeah, I think that'd be pretty cool. I've eaten a lot of crow on Peyton Pritchard. Uh this season i mean he's he's been playing really well uh, i would li- i would like the chris dunn upgrade I'd re- i i kind of like how gnarly he is on defense um dr quinn and then alex any other daydreams you got out there so i will push back very gently on an unrealistic player who i think based on the current record and likelihood of a trade if they do not pull off a trade to salvage their season which i don't think a trade can salvage their season the Golden State Warriors might actually think about letting go of Dario Saric if you want to overpay for him. And I think they should, if that does become a possibility, which it may not. Co-sign. Alex, will you? 
Sorry, you you uh, froze a little bit. What's up? We good? I was just uh, I paused time to uh, enjoy the Dario Saric banter. Um, ah, okay, gotcha. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, so there's a guy on here that I think it is almost certainly not going to end up in green in Jalen Smith. Um, he would be a good fit in a lot of ways. I just I feel like it's very unrealistic that Indy would trade him to an Eastern Conference rival. Um, I think they know that that guy is good. And I also feel like, yeah, the cap's going to get a little tight, but he's a good player. He gives them meaningful run in their rotation. I would be very surprised if they dealt him. Um, you know, we mentioned him before. Kelly Olenek would be lovely on this team, but it really doesn't feel like that's possible. There's so many different moving parts that would have to happen. And again, I think we run into the Alex Caruso issue of, somebody else is going to pay more for Kelly Olenek than Boston is. Um, I feel pretty confident about that. Um, as far as the Washington guys go, you know, Washington could be a fire sale at any moment. Um, I could, you know, Tyus Jones is a good player and I think he will help a team, but Boston to me, first off, don't, I feel like they don't have a good shot at getting him. He's going to be, uh, I think one of the players that generates the most buzz around this deadline and also i'm not sure that we would be using him in his best role he's a starting point guard i don't know that he would necessarily like love coming off the bench even if it would be for a contender um those are a few of the options but to me it feels like you know i have always been at kind of since we learned about the new cba i have always believed that if boston is going to make any moves at the deadline they are probably going to be quite small in nature but Brad Stevens plays these things pretty close to the vest. So if there is anything that we know about this trade deadline, it's that Andre Drummond, Kelly Olenek, and Daylon Wright will not be Boston Celtics because Brad Stevens would never leak that information. No, I bet Andre Drummond leaked that information. <laughs> uh, it is silly season. Be safe on the internet. Take everything with a grain of salt. Um, let's do this. Justin, you're going to remind me the maximum salary a player can make right now that Boston could later pick up by way of the buyout market. It's 12.1 million, 12.5 million. So it's possible that Boston sends fee or Lamar Stevens out, leaves a roster spot open or something like that. Are they uh, partially, we've still got some partial guarantees out there, right? No, fully guarantee was January 10th. So anybody who had a partial guarantee is now fully guaranteed. So they have 15 roster spots? No, they have four, They have 14 with one open. And Kate is the one. Okay, so if they leave one open or they make another one, uh, you can get on the trade machine and look for guys to make 12.5 million about that in the future. Until then, if my internet allows, we are going to... My internet is unstable. Thank you, Zoom. I think I'm aware. Uh, we're going to wrap things up with one last question, which is, which team do you think is going to make the most noise, either buying or selling this trade deadline? So it could be, the oh, if Justin's ready, I was going to stall so you guys can think of your answers. But Justin, take it away. This is a hot take. I, there's a very, very tiny part of me that believes it, only because I could see Doc Rivers getting this out of them. But... Grant Williams does end up a Milwaukee Buck and it works and they actually get pretty deep in the postseason. Whereas I think now they're looking at a pretty early exit. I'm saying this is a hot take. So just take that with a very large mountain 
of salt, but it could happen. I mean, what what have the Bucks got to lose? I, I don't know. I love Bobby, Bobby Portis, um, and that and that just is a rumor. Yeah, they do have. Yeah, they do. Sin, or Thanasis, for that matter. Um, wow, Doctor Quinn, great. Paul, okay, Jack, you get to go last because you're the guest. Alex, what team do you think? It's making noise as a buyer or seller of this trade deadline. And I didn't talk about the Malcolm Brogdon thing. He says he wants to stay in Portland. I don't know. Um, this one's going to hurt for you, JQ. So apologies in advance. But um, I strongly believe that regardless of whether Joel Embiid is healthy or not, Philly is going to get active at this trade deadline in large part because I don't particularly think that the upcoming free agent class is going to have a lot of marquee names that they can go after and they have a lot of cap space that they're going to need to burn. So I am betting that they are going to try pretty hard to trade for a player that they will then attempt to re-sign with that cap space. JQ, you know where I'm going with this. DeJounte Murray feels like he's already wearing blue and red at this point to me. Um, just seems like a very logical trade candidate for the Sixers, regardless of whether Embiid is healthy or not uh, for the rest of this year backcourt fit with maxi i froze i totally froze didn't i uh, no, that's really upsetting alex you're here is it his internet is it not my internet no no it's, he's freezing but it's he both. Needs a point. it's both of our internets um both of them are bad um optimum please i'm begging you anything better than this no but i i do think Dejounte murray the salaries are there for philly they can burn the picks necessary uh to make that happen my nightmare is them getting Murray and Bogdanovich back. Um, that would be very, very hard for me personally. Um, but I definitely feel like DeJounte Murray to the Sixers has got some real smoke to it at this point. A sports book that is not FanDuel, so I'm not going to name check him, consistently has had Bogdan Bogdanovich tied to the Celtics. They have all season long been the team with the best odds to land Bogdanovich. We don't understand where this line is coming from because the math doesn't work, but they have kept it. They've changed other lines. Boyan Bogdanovich was tied to the Celtics. Now they're not. I don't understand it. But Alex, the Sixers are not even a listed team for odds for Bogdan Bogdanovich. So if you just pulled that out of your butt, good job out of you. The team that I, for the sake of basketball, hope gets feisty are the New York Knickerbockers. The Knicks are good. I love it. I'm so interested in what they're capable of. Jalen Brunson is not good enough to do it alone. Julius Randle is not good enough to be the second fiddle. But there is magic in New York right now, and I'm so excited to see what that looks like. Jack, what do you think? Kim, you stole my whole flow. Word for word, bar for bar. I was going Knicks. You just took it right out from under me. You can have the Nets. Um, can I interest you in the Nets? <laughs> no, I don't want the Nets. I wanted the Knicks. I, I was I was gonna say, and I I do have like a, a flip around for it. Um, I think everyone's looking at the teams that haven't done anything yet when they should be looking at the teams that have done stuff already in the Knicks and the Pacers. I, I think those guys have the pieces to continue adding. I think they have the picks to continue adding. And I think they have the success to want to continue adding, especially considering in the case of the Pacers, they're not getting anybody in free agency. No one's going to Indy. Like you got to make a trade if you want to improve that roster, which is what they did with Siakam. Got to extend him now, but you have Buddy Heald's expiring contract. 
he's a fine player. Like if they keep him, I don't think I don't think they're in a rush to trade him necessarily. They could just resign him this summer. But you do risk losing him for nothing. In realistically, as sad or whatever as it may sound, he's probably one of the better free agents that's gonna be out there this summer because it's not a very good class. Um, and so trading his salary and other stuff for whatever upgrade they can find, I don't hate. Dejounte uh, Murray for them overpaying for one of these defensive-minded guards in Caruso or Murray or whatever to to help improve that. I don't hate getting some extra wing help in a Dorian Finney-Smith, Royce O'Neal, or whatever else is out there. I don't even hate saying, "Hey, Philly," which I, I agree with Alex. I think Philly will end up buying rather than selling. But if Philly, for whatever stupid reason, decides we're going to sell, we're going to reset Tobias Harris, right? One of these big contracts like Harrison Barnes, like one of the, one of these forwards could help Indy. Um, and also, I'll just say for all the smoke around, oh Caruso. Oh, DeRozan, my prediction, I don't think the Bulls make a single trade at the deadline. I think they're going to be clueless and completely waste everything like they have been for the past three years, and it's going to give me nothing to write about. So that's what I think the Bulls will do at the deadline. <laughs> Love that. All right. Um, you can catch Jack on Celtics blog. You can check check Jack out at How About Them Celtics, the podcast. They do pregame. They do postgame. If ever you need content before or after a game, check it out. And you can check them out at Bulls Wire, writing about the sad, pathetic Chicago Bulls. And the Spurs, and Spurs Wire. The Spurs, who we somehow didn't talk about at all, but have uh, a chance to get a little feisty here. Anyways, this episode of the Celtics Podcast was brought to you by FanDuel, the exclusive wagering partner of the CLNS Media Network. Before the internet cuts out again, I'm just going to say like and subscribe. Thanks on behalf of Alex. Check out his band, Divine Sweater. Thanks on behalf of Dr. Justin Quinn. Check out the Celtics Wire. Thanks on behalf of Jack Simone. Again, Celtics blog and how about the Celtics podcast. And if I haven't lagged yet, uh, we will catch you next week with, well, who knows what to talk about, hopefully some sort of trade. Until then, adios and au revoir.